Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Dr. Edmund Demirjian, Implant and Cosmetic Dental Care. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Dev Nadek, the pastor of St. Sarkis Church, along with our co-host, Mr. Vezdigyan, and a good friend of the show, Mr. Razmik Nenejan. An old friend of the show, let's clarify. I stand corrected, <laughs> An old friend of the show, Mr. Razmik. Welcome to the podcast. Let us start our show with a prayer from the newly published My Prayer Book of late Archbishop Zare Aznavolian. Sorvet surmezi of der Vordesnenk Yevokta Kordzenk Tsarayutian Amen Badehutun Dank Arantz Pocharjeka Hashvelu Baikarink Arantz Viravorvelu Ashadink Arantz Hankist Pundrelu Zarayenk Arantz Vartsadrutian Agangalelu Ein Kidzak Tsutiamp Teku Gamkede Vorgadarenk Amen. So Dernareg, a very good friend of the show, Anahid Ugurlarian, had requested a John Lennon song to be played. And if you recall, a couple weeks ago, we put out the request email so that people respond. And we got a very good response. Anahid was one of the first people to respond. And she asked for a John Lennon song. But in light of the fact that we are in the holiday season, we wanted to substitute her request with another John Lennon song. So here we go. Let's roll So This Is Christmas. So this is Christmas And what have you done Another year over And you won't just be gone And so this is Christmas So I trust we all had a good Thanksgiving this year. I know we had the opportunity, the occasion to spend some quality time together, Denarik, with your family and also with, with my, my cousin Razmik. Yes. You and your wife were the gracious hosts. We enjoyed it very Thank much. You. Thank very you. Much. It was our honor. We, uh, we always enjoy hosting. And uh, it was extra special this year because we had the family and we were graced by the presence of uh, Dernareg, his family as well as some other friends that, that uh, visited for the day. And uh, I think we all enjoyed, enjoyed some good food, a lot of good cooking, and uh, some other activities, some other festivities. But, Dernadeg, one thing I wanted to mention, you told me as we came in to start the podcast today that this was the 50th anniversary celebration of Bairuz, the store that every Armenian-American knows in the New York area. Bairuz, right. who is the family, it's an owned establishment by our own Board of Trustees member, Krikor. Krikor Nersesian's grandfather, Bairuz Nersesian, 
is the person who started the grocery store on Queens Boulevard in Sunnyside, Barrier's Coffee. And on Thanksgiving Day, they celebrated the 50th anniversary of the establishment of Barrier's. And uh, Anusha Van Serpazan and myself, we were invited there to say a prayer. And it was a celebration, actually. Um, we did um, a blessing of the store, but with that, there were uh, speeches, um, food, and uh, a lot of people were invited to be part of that celebration. And it's it's something worth celebrating there because it's, I believe it is the first Armenian establishment. It and must be. It's definitely a landmark for the New York Armenian it is. community. And the story, as um, Sarkis Nersesian, the son, was presenting, was amazing. You know, Barir was an orphan uh, from the genocide, a survivor who um, went from Turkey to Greece, then to Romania, and then finally he came to this country. Um, and after working um, for a while, he decided to start a store. And with the help of his family members, he was able to start uh, Barir's coffee store. And it's it's such an inspiration to know that an orphan would come to this country with no money and um, to start a business like that and to put the Armenian flag on the mm-hmm. uh, on the store it, it's such a great thing so um, it it was a sense of a communal pride for all of us who were present there and Anushavan um, spoke beautifully our friend Anahid um, Ugurlian was there she made few remarks so it was a very festive occasion and and um, the voice of Armenians TV was there. I'm sure that this week you will see uh, a segment on what happened there. It was something that I wanted to share with our listeners. It's nice that we have these opportunities, these occasions to pay homage to those who came here before us and established and laid the foundation for the Armenian community here in New York. And really, Baduriz is a spot that every Armenian knows here in the New York area and, and appreciates and often will stop off on your way back when you're crossing the 59th Street Bridge it's really the first place you would think to go to. Yertank Lahmajuma Versenek, Mekad Tangmakov, Surj Marnek, Hagagan Surjin Hamar. So it's really a, it's a blessing to have folks like Barur to have come here before us and really uh, sure. laid that And foundation. I want to remind our parishioners, especially, that um, we have a library in the Pagumian Hall, and that is um, the Barur Nersesian library which has been built in memory of Barir and he was a man who loved to read and write and he has his book which was edited by Anushavan Sarpazan it's his memoirs of the genocide so uh, a great person unfortunately I never had the opportunity to meet him but you know uh, I, I have the honor to work with his children grandchildren and great-grandchildren great family to Nersesians terrific family can I put uh, our friend Razmig on the spot here? Of course. Because he was one of the more recent arrivals in the last, how many years has it been? Almost, Four, 30, almost years. 30 years. Almost 30 years. And he happened to settle right in the neighborhood there where his family first found their, their, their first uh, their residence, residence in, in, in the neighborhood. Sunnyside, in yeah. Sunnyside, right. In Sunnyside, yeah. um, do you recall any memories of, of Baduris and stopping off there, I'm sure, with, of, with of the family? Of course I do. So when we moved uh, to New York, we lived with my grandmother in Sunnyside. So every time she needed something, so back then there was two two stores, uh, similar stores, Barur and uh, Pyramid. Mm-hmm. But the Pyramid was owned by an Arab. Ah, competition. 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 <laughs> um, 
So every time uh, my, my grandmother wanted something, so grandma, what do you want it from? Pyramid or uh, Beirut? No, no, Das. Hi, hi, Hanu Tena. So I used to go to Beirut and, and get it. And like that, I said, uh, the Armenian flag, uh, it, it made you feel closer to the store just because you see an Armenian flag in New York, you know, for a newcomer from Halib. That's to right. See that. That's you know, right. Sure. Yeah, it's it, a big it's, deal. It, it's it, a big deal till now when you drive by, you see is, the Armenian yes, flag. Yes. It's a oh, great of course. thing. Everybody knows about uh, Beirut. Since you're on the mic, let's ask you. Uh, right after celebrating Thanksgiving, I know that you went to Canada uh, to be part of the Hominid Men Games. Why don't you tell our listeners what was in Canada last weekend? So last weekend, about 40 athletes uh, from New York traveled to Canada for the uh, 46th annual uh, Hominid Men Games, uh, which was hosted by the Cambridge uh, chapter. So there were uh, uh, athletes from Cambridge, Toronto, Montreal, uh, New York, as well as uh, New Jersey. Uh, I would say about three to four hundred athletes participated at these games. Wow! Yeah, it's a big um, number. It was a big number, and it was organized beautifully. Um, so the game started Friday at six, and it ended uh, Sunday around two, and thereafter it was a closing ceremony. Um, it was. It was our second year participating at these games. Last year, New York had three teams, and this year we had five teams. So we had two U12s, the veteran, and um, two basketball teams. In fact, the basketball players are mostly the St. Sarkis uh, players that uh, wish to come and participate at these games. How did they do? Um, the junior played the final, I think the seniors didn't make the finals. Because hmm. um, the seniors won the championship here in the Army and Church the Sports Chicago Association. Games. Yes, yeah. they did. Oh, oh they here did. locally and then also in the Chicago games. In Chicago. Okay. Well, okay. locally is the St. Sarkis. The St. Sarkis the, team, right. 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 Um, so, so our first game that I, it was against Cambridge. Um, so during the game, I hear the Cambridge players calling, hard soup, I'm like, asking myself, am I hearing this Were right? they praying? <laughs> I'm like, so, so after the game, after the game, you know, we lost to Cambridge. After the game, I approached him. I go, sorry, are you Harsup? He goes, yes, I am. I go, wow, that's, that's good. That's impressive. Then I go, but Harsup, I go, this is not fair. He goes, why? I go, Harsup, you have God with you. <laughs> you know, you should have, you should have, <laughs> you should have given us Jesus. <laughs> Just to be fair. So who is this Harsup? He's uh, uh, the Cambridge uh, Harsup that uh, I think recently moved uh, to Cambridge from uh, Greece. Uh, very, very nice uh, young 
high troop. Um, in fact, we could have protested the game because the, the veterans, you have to be over 35. And okay. it, was, it was under that. But obviously, as a high troop, you cannot protest the game. So we decided that uh, next year, you're coming with us to compete with the, uh, in the games. Why not? It's only fair. Why it's only fair. Yeah, but are, are, is there not going to get out on the soccer field? Of course. Harsup did. can sit on the bench. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harsup did, right? Why no, not? Why can't that we have Well, I don't want to disrespect our beloved Deadhide here, but I suspect Harsup's soccer skills are perhaps at, at a higher level. No, I no, mean, it, was it wasn't great. Uh, it oh, was, okay, I mean, okay. It was good, but it wasn't great. Okay, all right. I'm sure our dead hide could oh, So uh, maybe our dead hide could hang. Of course, of <laughs> okay. course. I'm sure you can. I will. Why not? Okay. So, so basically, we had two uh, U12. I mean, uh, that was the main reason why we went there. We had two U, uh, U12 uh, um, uh, teams. Uh, you know, I hate to to call it A and B because I don't I don't like to differentiate the the teams. But what we did was we had the uh, both teams uh, support like if A was playing B was on the bench uh, supporting for the uh, for the B team and vice versa um, and and one one incident uh, acute thing happened um, so the B team is is getting to ready to play uh, Toronto which was uh, one of the better teams so the kid goes so we're getting ready so the kid goes hey coach Wazmik uh, I go yes he goes can we have a couple players from the A team I go, why? Why do you need the uh, players from the A team? Because so we could compete, we could win uh, against uh, Toronto. I go, no, don't worry about it. You don't need the, the players. You could do it yourself. Believe in yourself. Have the confidence. Uh, you'll win. And sure enough, that I they scored four goals on them on Toronto. Wow! But two oh. of them didn't come because of of, of uh, regulation, uh, indoor regulation. But you should see the excitement that these kids uh, had. They didn't. They never thought that they could score against a, a better team. They win? No, they lost. Unfortunately, uh, they lost four to two. So after the game, after the game, so <clears throat> they were sitting on the bench. Some were crying. Some were upset that they lost. And I, and I'm giving them the encouraging words that you know, don't worry about it. You played well. This and that. And what do I hear? The A team saying, "Hey guys, don't cry. Don't be upset. Uh, we're gonna beat them in the finals for you guys." So, so the b bottom line is, for me at least. You know, to see these kids support each other this way, help each other, uh, build up a friendship. Uh, and every year, uh, the friendship, I see that it's getting closer, uh, means more than winning a, a championship. Mm -hmm. um, and you are very instrumental in that. I know that every Saturday you're on the field, you're training them, and it, it takes a lot of efforts to build a team. And I commend you for that, Rosmik. I appreciate that, and so do a lot of parents. But uh, the bottom line is, I tell I, I tell a lot of parents. You know, my uh, my goal is for these kids to grow together in an Armenian environment, to have the friendship that will last uh, a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, we could achieve that. Sure. Um, so tell us, uh, how many of our teams actually won a game? Won a game or won the championship? I don't know. You tell me. One game, New York basketball, or oh, the At veterans. At some point, our St. Sarkis girls basketball, and this is a compliment, by the way, they would cheer and celebrate every time that they would score. So winning is something good, right? So right, championship is something great. So. Right. So winning, the basketball team won a couple games, but obviously they lost uh, the final. The veterans lost every single game. Hi. So that's why we need you. And and uh, the 
the the U twelve, uh, so the New York won the championship against Toronto two to one. It was That's a very terrific. very intense game. Nice. How old are the veterans? Don't ask that. Sixty five and above, I'm saying. Over forty. <laughs> Oh really? Over forty. Oh, that's cool. yeah. So they they did it when they were much younger. They yeah, they've been. Younger. I mean, they were playing at the tournaments. That's awesome. Yeah, in fact, I mean, there were besides soccer, there was basketball, there was t uh, table tennis, there was uh, volleyball, and there was chess. In fact, uh, Nectar's uh, Muradian's grandfather won uh, chess. He either became first or second place nice. in chess. Nice. Mm. Yeah. So it was. Oh, so the real. Uh, yeah. The real veterans can the veterans. play. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Nectar's yeah. grandfather has yeah. got to yeah. be a little bit older. Well, yeah. I didn't know that. The, I didn't know that there were no limits to people's no, no, participation. No if you're an athlete, you're more than welcome to That's go. That's great. So when, uh, when, and where the next season is being hosted, or the next uh, next Olympics? Next the next. Olympics, well, yes. there's the Navasartian Games, which is in uh, Providence, Fourth of July. Okay. And then again uh, in um, Toronto this year, uh, next year. Uh, the the winter games I guess, so we have to get ready for now. We have to, well right now we're on break. The coach needs break. Everybody needs a break. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. uh, my yeah. wife will kill me. <laughs> 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 but um, but yeah, um, I mean, uh, the most important thing for me that I had, when you see these kids jumping up and down with joy and happiness, hugging each other, to me that's priceless. I mean, that's when I see that, it's like, you know, I achieved my goal. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know. Anything impressive that you witnessed uh, in Canada that you want to um, share with our listeners? Anything impressive? Well, the way they, well, first, the way they organized the whole thing. Remember, I, I just said 300, 400 uh, athletes in two, ga uh, two days of, of uh, tournaments. But the most important that always, always, uh, uh, I guess, uh, impresses me. Impresses me. Mm -hmm. uh, when I hear this, uh, the Canadian U12 kids or even the, the seniors talk to each other in Armenian, I always ask to myself, why, why, how come we cannot do this here? How come, like, even the athletes were speaking Armenian to their coaches versus, you know, I compare it to my team, my my. You know, my players talk to me in English. Your Armenian is not good, probably, that's right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, I need to work on that. Maybe. But, well, but <laughs> what do you think the difference is? I envy is? them. Uh, <clears throat> I, we, we've talked about this in the past, whether it's on the podcast or in person. Uh, it's a real challenge here. It's truly the fact that you know assimilation is such a pressure here in the United States, more so than I believe it is in Canada, where different cultures, whether it be Armenians, Greeks, Latinos, whatever background you're from, in Canada, there seems to be more encouragement from the government and from the people to be able to maintain your individual identities. And the way that they break it down, and this is a Canadian term, I'm not telling you anything that, that I've created, um, they will express their experience, the Canadian experience, as being um, synonymous with a salad bowl where everyone maintains their individual distinct identities where you mix it all together, it's blended together, but you don't lose that, unlike the United States, where we are a melting pot, where the, the, the pressures of assimilation and the fact that we want everyone to just kind of become homogeneous here right. in, in the United States. So that's I think, is a very significant challenge sure. for us. And I like the, the analogy that you're using, the melting 
pot and the salad and uh, it was not too long ago I heard um, Cardinal Dolan speaking about the same analogies and he en encouraged the listeners to be more like a stew you know hmm. there is the integration but each element preserves its, its own identity so that's not a bad thing and me. I've actually it's good that you use the term integration because I've heard Vehapar Aram, Aram first has said that where he prefers the term integration, integration. over assimilation, where it's not necessarily it's an evil thing. Let's talk about it more about integrating into society and how Armenians have adapted very well. Armenia, that, not to say that Armenians in Canada, even though they've maintained their individual identities, they're incredibly successful as Canadians, as Canadian right. citizens. Right, so it's not like you're you're there's some kind of uh, sacrifice or compromise for that but, but for maintaining the identity. But I must say, I mean, this this when I was playing like 30 years ago when I came here, we used to go to the home at main games. You know, the Canadian athletes always always spoken in, in yeah, Armenian. Yeah, always. Yeah. So I always yeah, but here in New York they used to speak Armenian when it was new arrivals. No, when no. I was a kid, I remember my father used to play in the back, Maybe you know, 30, you know, 40 years ago. But right. My generation. It was always English, and mm. it always bothered me why they can and we can't, and right. what do we have to do in order to... Uh, I think it starts to, uh, in the household, uh, and everyone uh, has a job to do to encourage our kids to speak Armenian, even if that takes bribing. You know, <laughs> uh, sometimes I bribe my children. If you speak Armenian the entire week, you will get something, and sometimes, sometimes it, works, it works, sometimes it doesn't work, yeah. but you know they need to feel encouraged that... This is something important. Maybe, but but then I, when 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 you see them speaking Armenian, I mean, you, you see that they 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 they're loving it, they're enjoying. Chuzelov Chenener. Chuzelov Chenener. They want to yeah. speak Armenian. So that that's that's the only. It's a it's a sense of frustration for me. I was sharing. I was actually sharing it this weekend with my father, and he said that Dras, this is just the the pressures that we we live on this, this situation that we live in here. Um, but that's giving but up. We, we're not going to give up. We're going to continue to try. We're going to make whatever effort we can. And also the pressure is on us. So the expectation, not pressure, I don't like that term, oh. but it's the expectation that we continue to strive to use the language amongst ourselves so that we set a good example for our children. Right. And also to strengthen our institutions and community centers like the church to promote you know, the use of Armenian language. And I think we're doing a pretty good job here with our... Uh, the church with the school and the events that are that are coming you know um, I'm shifting gears now and I want to talk a little bit about the upcoming events that we have um, the, the month of December is very is, is going to be very busy every mm -hmm. Sunday we have something going on the first Sunday we have the gingerbread decorating event which uh, we encourage all the children along with their parents to come we will provide um, ginger house kits along with the with their decorative uh, whatever it's needed and it's gonna be Greg I know you're laughing but I do not know what's the term <laughs> but, uh, all I know let me tell you the story all I know four or five years ago for some reason we heard about this place in Long Island a very remote place where there that are very famous with the gingerbread um, house decorating so we went there and after driving an hour we got there, and it was not it was not cheap. They they charged us a lot of money to be able to buy that kit and spent a time to decorate. And there was the chef who eventually would come and take a look, and he wouldn't like what you've done, and he would try to fix it. But fixing your house 
was extra money. So we had to pay to have that <laughs> thing fixed. <laughs> so after spending a fortune, we came back home with the with, with the decorated thing. And, uh, you know, the following day, it was like, uh, we need to get rid of this too much sugar. <laughs> so the idea was that why don't we implement something similar here in our church where our kids can come and play together. And from there came the idea of the gingerbread decoration. So that's the first event. The second event is the Simply Christmas event, the beautiful flyer, which you designed, Greg. It's stunning. Um, we're featuring Zulal this year. And the Simply Christmas event, just like every year, is a free event, free admission, because it's our way of thanking our community and creating that sense of holidays here in our church. We have generous sponsors who sponsor the event every year. And there is lunch following the concert. The third Sunday of December, we have the Saturday School Hantas. Again, it's going to be an amazing event with the 102 children that we have at our Saturday School. And the final weekend, it's the New Year's Eve celebration. That's a Saturday night. So you have a reason to be here every, every single weekend and spend time with your friends and hopefully throughout those celebrations establish a better relationship with our Creator, with our Heavenly Father. Can I add something? Of course you can. Uh, you mentioned the Saturday school performance, the hunt test. For me, those are those moments where you actually appreciate what the church and the, the school. school can do for our children. And to get over that hump, that frustration that we share, the common mm -hmm. frustration we were just talking about with the lack of the use of the Armenian language, because you see it put to use in such a beautiful fashion with the songs and the poetry and the performances. So I really, really am having, now having two children in the community here, it's, I look forward to those moments. A problem that we generally suffer with is being overweight and trying to lose all the weight that we gain, especially during the holidays. There was a research done years ago about how the membership of gyms usually we see a spike right after the holidays. Everybody's trying to lose weight. But there was an advice that a wise man gave to me, and he's Washagan Sarbazan. He said, you need to think about losing weight before you start gaining weight. And uh, unfortunately, I did not follow that advice. But I'm happy that today we have with us Mr. Alec Jamgochian, who is an expert in weight loss and diet, and he has de developed a program for weight loss. Alec, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, dear for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. It. Tell, tell uh, us more about yourself. Um, I'm Roman I was born in uh, Romania, and uh, we came here when I was very young, like two years old. I grew up here in Bayside. Um, moved to Connecticut recently. Struggled with weight my whole life. I kind of put together something recently that uh, has helped me, you know, uh, lose weight and, and keep it off for about seven years now. So your diet is called Change Your Change Your Life Diet. Very grand, ambitious grand, name. Grand title, yeah, because uh, it really changed my life. I was struggling with a lot of different uh, weight loss systems for the past, you know, like, you know, twenty years, trying to figure something out. And a lot of things worked for me, you know, in the short run, 
I did a lot of Atkins. I did a lot of um, you know other different weight loss systems, a lot of different exercise um, routines, but nothing really lasted that long. Nothing really you know had really dramatic results. So, you were a person who struggled with weight. Yeah, I was. I was fat as a kid. Um, if people know me from you know Cardoza High School, I was fat when I was you know, maybe like 14 years old. Um, I was probably like 200 pounds. And you know when you've grown up and everyone else is lean and you're the fat kid, that kind of you know it ingrained something in your head that you kind of really want to lose weight. I hear you, brother. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking yeah, yeah. about, kid. I know how it feels. Yeah. So what did you do? How did you change that? Well. Um, when I was a kid, um, basically, I got into like weight training and like exercising, lifting weights. So you know, the first time I lost weight, I was like 18 years old, and I, it was just through, you know, pretty much starting myself. And I did a lot of exercising, um, a lot of running on the street, a lot of treadmill, to the point where, and I was working at the time. I, I was working out at the time also, so um, I did manage to lose a lot of weight. And at, at the time, I was building muscle, so actually. Um, I got a really good physique, and mm -hmm. just to remind the audience, if they forgot, I, I did compete in uh, Mr. Cardozo uh, bodybuilding competition in uh, when I was 18, and I got second place. And that's year, big. Yeah, it's huge because the whole battle was for second place. The, the, the guy who won first place, he was in his own league, so it was like everybody knew who's going to win. So okay. I beat out all the uh, the popular kids, and um, so then the next year I actually. Uh, Competed in like statewide bodybuilding competition. I won it first place. It was like the, t the teenager division. Um, but then you know, life gets in the way. I've kind of I kind of did it to death, and so I, it wasn't I, fun for you anymore. It was like chores for you. Is that what you well, said? Well, when you're um, when you're really into it and you see the you see the um, the, the progress and the results, sure. it's amazing. But then you, you, just like anything else, if you're really into something for for many many years eventually lose interest and especially if you reach your goals so my goal wasn't necessarily to um, continue to be more muscular it was just you know I just don't want to get fat again sure. okay so and, and it is hard work going to the gym all the time and lifting weights especially when you've done it for so many years for six years I did it like many many hours every single day so but I still had bad you know genetics and like a bad metabolism so by the time I got into my mid-twenties I was um, uh, I started getting weight again, so be, but I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to get fat again. And I tried all these, you know, techniques to lose weight because, you know, look, I'll be honest, you know, I want the shortcut. I don't want to, I don't want to eat, you know, chicken and broccoli and run on the treadmill every day for the rest of my life just to keep my weight down. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to find a shortcut. So like what I would do is, um, I would pretty much like once a year, I would do like some diet, like Atkins or something else that was popular at the time. And I would lose, you know, 10, 12, 15 pounds. Feel good about yourself. Yeah, like usually around the springtime, and then I would eventually uh, gain the weight back over the, the the summer and the winter time, and then I would try another diet. But the thing was, I would keep um, gaining weight, you know, more and more as the years went on. So when I was when I was in my mid twenties, you know, I might have been like one hundred eighty pounds, one hundred ninety pounds. Then my mid thirties, I was like two hundred ten, two hundred fifteen, and it just kept getting worse and worse. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta figure something out. So that's why I kind of experimented with, with a few different things. I kind of developed my system mm -hmm. where with other diets, I would lose, like I said, like 10, 15 pounds and gain it back. And on this one, I lost 50 pounds. Five zero. Five zero, yeah. And now I'm on like 165 right now. And I topped out as, at 215. 
and I've kept it off for about seven years now. And it's amazing. I try to tell, I try to tell people uh, about my system, and it works. You know, it's a little difficult to, to wrap your head around mm -hmm. because it, it's, you know, it, the main basis is fasting in the evening, which it's difficult for a lot of people to, to grasp and to accept that right. uh, they got to not eat, you know, late at night because it's just so enjoyable. You just, if you could just figure out a way to, to adjust your schedule so that you can do that, you're going to be lean the rest of your life. For those who are concerned, like, I have a very busy lifestyle. How can I implement this diet in my life? How can I avoid going out and having dinner at night? Okay. What would you tell them? This is the solution to permanent weight loss. So if you, if you know that and you want to, uh, if you want to be lean, you have to, you know, make an effort to try to um, adjust your schedule to, to, to accommodate that. So there's a few things you can do. A lot, a lot of people I know, you know, they're too busy. They, they get up late. They, they race out of the house to make it to work on time. You know, they don't have a good breakfast. You know, they're busy at work all day. They don't eat right. And then they come home and they have a nice big dinner in front of the TV. And then they snack all night long because it's, you know, that's when they have the time. But, you know, what I say is everyone has the time to wake up 15 minutes early, make yourself a good breakfast. You know, what I say is that you have to feed your body before you're going to use it, okay? Uh, if you eat a big breakfast, eat, if you eat a big lunch, you're gonna, your body's going to burn that fuel and your body needs calories that it's going to burn for the rest of the day. And you could pretty much be very lenient with what you choose to eat for breakfast and for lunch. You could, you could allow yourself to have your favorite foods. You could allow yourself to have not the healthiest things if it's earlier in the day and it's almost guilt-free because your body will burn it off. Now on the other hand what you eat at night has so much to do with uh, how much weight you're going to put on and you know losing weight or gaining weight so if you know that you have to try to make an effort to to adjust your schedule. Now even what, what I used to do is that like I said I'd have a nice big breakfast if you have a job where you know if you're in Manhattan or in a city, you could go out and have a big lunch, but I always, always bring plenty of snacks with me. It could be, you know, like granola bars or even yogurt, but if you want to get a little healthier, you could have uh, bananas, apples, any other fruit, and a lot of nuts. Nuts are really good for, for snacking. They got fiber, they have uh, the good kind of healthy fats that keep your body uh, satisfied so you don't get hungry. So basically from the time you wake up till let's say the mid-afternoon there's absolutely no reason to let yourself go hungry anytime you want you know if, if you're in an office environment you you know if you have a refrigerator or, or not you can keep a um, keep fruits handy you know sometimes I'll eat three four bananas throughout the day uh, as snacks in between my meals just to because why not because you can get away with it you know you're rewarding yourself early in the day and you're kind of sacrificing and being more stringent late in the day, late in the evening. So your diet is called change your life diet. Yeah. And I know it's about two things. It's about changing your lifestyle basically. Right. That's the first change. And subsequently once you change your lifestyle you will start seeing results on your body. So tell us how people can get your diet. It's changeyourlifediet.com. Um, I'm 
and any social media, Facebook or Instagram, it's Change Your Life Diet on Facebook, uh, Change Your Life Diet on, on Instagram. But yeah, the main website is changeyourlifediet.com. And I also have a, a YouTube channel that I do videos where I give a lot of free advice. Um, and that coincidentally is also the changeyourlifediet.com channel. Who would have thought, right? <laughs> and um, yeah, the reason I named it that was, like I said, I was struggling for so many years with all these different diets that barely gave me you know, any results. And then I tried this, and I was just amazed how incredible the results were and how fast uh, the weight loss was and personally how, how natural it felt to me, for me to eat because you can, you know, you could eat a lot in the morning and then you burn it off and then you go to bed on an empty stomach and you lose a lot of weight. So you can really allow yourself to eat a lot of foods that might not even be that healthy, but you burn it off. Also, another thing that really changed my life was the, um, how long it's lasted. Mm -hmm. And when you accept the fact that this works and you have to stick to the schedule, it's very easy to sustain. Well, in one of your most recent videos, you were speaking about the balance between eating and exercising. Yeah. So what's the balance? Tell our listeners. How much is it diet and how much is it exercise? Well, the, the, the common uh, knowledge is that you know, it's 80% diet and 20% exercise. We're kind of trained to think that, you know, diet and exercise go hand in hand. You have to join a gym. You have to go to the, uh, go to the gym and run on a treadmill to be healthy. I mean, there are a lot of benefits. Uh, health benefits to exercising. Um, it's good for you. Um, it's good for your body. It's good for you mentally. But my opinion is, you know, why go to a gym and run on a treadmill and wait in line to use those, those machines where you just go outside and go for a walk? Mm -hmm. you know, I personally choose uh, recreation and maybe sports as you know as an activity, as physical activity, rather than you know going to a gym and I guess a phase one of my system, which is pretty much just um, just sticking to the structure and sticking to the schedule of, of, a, of an eating plan. And what is beneficial is that the long term aspect of it is that you you can stick to this for the long term because you are allowed to eat a lot of your favorite foods. Every day, just you have to do it in in the morning time, and it is a little uh, challenging to get used to at first. But if you accept the fact that this is gonna keep you lean for the rest of your life, and you just have to stick to it, you can't go back to eating you know a nice big dinner and snacking afterwards. That that's gonna be the solution that you've been kind of searching for. This is like um, the phase one of the plan where you could lose it like about eighty percent of your target weight loss. And when you're ready to go to phase two, phase two is pretty much about learning about health and nutrition. There's a lot of uh, money to be made in feeding us food that's going to keep us fat and then making you think you have to go to the gym to get a membership to burn it off. When all you really need to do is, I guess, learn about the right types of food to eat and, and kind of the right eating structure. So... Um, the, the trend of real, real food is kind of catching on. I mean, when you're ready to get into, you know, healthy eating, that's when you, you should, I guess, go to the, the phase two of the plan, which is pretty much about, you know, eliminating a lot of the unhealthy foods and just learning how to eat healthy foods. Because the point is that 
you know, the all the food that's out there in the, the supermarket and the restaurants, like it, it's going to get you fat by design. It's meant to uh, tempt you. It's meant to taste really, really good so that you come back and eat more. And, you know, people don't really have a vested interest in giving you nutrition. They have a vested interest in feeding you something that, that looks good, that tastes good, that has you coming back for more. Like, for example, let's take, um, let's take Coca-Cola. It has caffeine, it has sugar, it has sodium, and it has phosphoric acid. Now, if you don't know why all those ingredients are there, uh, let's take caffeine. Caffeine first is the stimulant, and it's addictive. So they add that in there to, you know, addict you to get you to buy more. And it's also a diuretic, which gets you to lose water and to urinate. So what they do is they add sodium to that. So what happens if they add sodium when you're already losing water? You become thirstier, okay? So their, their plan is to get you to drink this stuff to lose water and to get thirstier. So they, 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 they need to mask the taste of the sodium with sugar because if, it was, if you tasted all that, that sodium salt flavor, you wouldn't buy it, it would be sickening. So they add so much sugar to mask the flavor of the salt but the problem with that is when you add that much sugar to something, it becomes sickening. So if you, if you try to eat that much sugar by itself, you would get sick and you get nauseous. That's why they add the phosphoric acid, because the phosphoric acid is an anti-nausea medication. So if you think about to what lengths these food companies go to put these products out there, that they really want to manipulate you so you buy their products, so you, you drink more of it. So... It was about three weeks ago that I reached out to you and I said that I'm interested in right. your weight loss pro program. And here's my story, Alec. Uh, last year I was in a diet program. I, I lost a significant amount of weight. Mm -hmm. But um, similar to your previous stories, my weight started to coming back again. Mm -hmm. But for the past three weeks, I have been implementing uh, your diet system loosely, not very religiously. Mm -hmm. And I have dropped um, about six pounds as of this morning. Okay. So I am willing to take this challenge and uh, continue to use your system. Okay. And um, I guess for our pressure, they, they're going to see some changes if this is working or not. Right, right. A lot of pressure on you now. <laughs> A lot of pressure, which yeah. I'm willing to take. Yeah. Uh, for personal and selfish reasons, yeah. I, I want to be healthy. So I want to lose weight. It's official now. You can't back out of it now. No, I can't. It's, it is official. It's on yeah. the podcast. Okay. And um, I, encourage, I encourage my listeners to go on the website and get this diet system. For me, it has been only three weeks, and I'm enjoying this benefits. And I was like... We need to have you on the podcast. You need to share this good news with, with everyone. I sympathize with, with uh, all the people who struggle uh, with being overweight because I'm there. I've been there all my life. It's not an easy thing. But this seems to be uh, a very good place. Your, your program is very good because you can eat the foods that you like. You can cheat the system. You don't have to be on uh, the exercising machines all day long and you will see the results. I wish you... Uh, successful journey in helping people to to reach their goals and i pray that may god bless you and your beautiful family thank you so much i greatly appreciate it it's, it's been an honor to come on the show with you thank you thank you it is scripture time here on the podcast and today we are reading from the epistle of saint paul to the philippians chapter 4 verses 1 through 7. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, 
You whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Such a powerful and positive message that comes from the closing verses of this letter of St. Paul. There are a few things that we can discuss in mm -hmm. the opening verses, the way that he addresses the recipients of this letter. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, referring to the people of his community, the people of the church as his joy and his crown. It's something very big. We know that Paul was the most important person in the life of the early church because of what he did. And for him to do all the work without any expectations and to call his fellow members of the church his, his joy and his crown is such a big thing. We know that in the life of the early church, and it's true to throughout the generations that saints would receive a crown you know and this is a figurative speech this is the state of being sanctified when they receive that crown and for paul that crown is the love that he has for for his own people such a positive message mm -hmm. i don't know why i'm getting um, emotional even talking about this but when we jump to verse four um, i think this four through seven the three verses here are loaded with uh, instructions and so much positive stuff. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So for a person who was imprisoned, who was in chains, to preach a message of joy is incredible, is an incredible thing. And this tells us about our faith. You know, there are people out there who think that if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you go to church, if you read the Bible, you should be a sad person, a gloomy person. You should take everything very seriously <laughs> to a point that you become seriously dead. Um, but that's not true about our faith. Our faith is a faith, it's a relationship of joy because God comes to visit us to encourage us to be with us so that we can be with God. Why do you say that, that, I, that it's, uh, the expectation is that we would be gloomy and serious all the time? Is that, is that kind of the, the, uh, the message that's conveyed from the leadership? Or is that something that, is that just an image that people have of, of Christianity? I think it's, it's an image that people have. I don't know what happened. I haven't studied this. This is something probably um, that someone should study. But throughout the centuries, with probably the monastic movement, uh, that ser serious vibe has been mm. part of our uh, expression of faith. But we know that if you only read the Gospel of Luke, you will not um, believe how many times the word joy is repeated in the Gospel. 
So it's very clear that our relationship with the Lord is a joyous relationship and our the practice of our faith should be a joyous experience. This doesn't mean that you know we should be always happy even during sad occasion. Now there is time for us to mourn, there's time for us to grieve, but in general our relationship is a joyous relationship. And we continue reading. He says let your gentleness be evident to all and this is such a important message during this season um, where we're about to celebrate Christmas and it's very interesting this past week the biblical reading and our sermons were about the parable of Jesus about the rich fool the person who was always thinking about himself everything was me myself and I and Jesus encourages us to be considerate about others and that same message is present here to show our gentleness to everyone around us do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God timely use of the term thanksgiving as well it is considering it we, just, is. we just left the thanksgiving holiday. sure but the way that I read this, and I've always read this um, this passage in this way, is that in everything, we need to be thankful. Mm -hmm. We usually are thankful for everything, and that's true because if we count our blessings, we have so many of them. But that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying, in everything, be thankful. And that changes everything because... Even when you are going through hard times, if you have that uh, the attitude of being grateful, it means that you are on your way to become a better person, better connected to the Lord. And it takes a lot for us to, to start practicing that, to be thankful in every situation. Even in challenges and suffering and difficult times. You know, I've always said that, you know, initially when when you are facing a situation, it's very natural for us to go through the emotions. But once you have a full grasp of what's happening, you need to, to remember who you are. You need to remember your relationship with the Lord. And if you can implement that gratitude of being thankful, half of the problem is solved already. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to belittle, you know, or... Um, minimize some of the problems that our community members our listeners face in their life i do not know the extent of the pain that they are going through but in everything if we are thankful god will be there to help us and finally in verse 7 he says the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus by the way, this verse has made its way in our Badarak. We hmm. sing every Sunday, hmm. which transcends all understanding. So that peace will guard our hearts. And to have that peace is the most essential thing because nothing, nothing will shake us. And that's why we close this podcast every time saying that the peace of the Lord will be in your hearts that's the most important thing to have to be grounded on christ jesus 
and not to be scared of, of any problem that we may encounter. Today we will play Der Vogormia. This is the Choren Mechana Jam version and it is performed by Aran Apera Yerchanyan. I like this version and this singing of Hair Aran because when Abedis was seven, eight, nine months old, this was his lullaby. Every night we will play this Dervogormia to put him oh, to sleep. Nice. And uh, I want to remember those days because he has outgrown Dervogormia. If he wasn't sleeping, we were sleeping, definitely. <laughs> I hope you will enjoy this version of Dervogormia. We will be back hopefully in two weeks. In the meantime, I would like to thank all of our listeners. I'd like to thank Veh and Razmik and Greg, and our sponsors. And I pray that the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be always in your hearts. Amen.
Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Dr. Edmund Demirjian, Implant and Cosmetic Dental Care. If you would like to sponsor a future episode of the podcast, please call the church office at 718-224-2275.